support for this video is brought to you by Manscaped. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LJTV at manscaped.com. Good morning, everybody. I hope you're all well. Thank you all for joining us bright and early on a Saturday morning. Uh, moving swiftly on from Thursday's night, but touching on it very briefly, uh, is myself, your host, Dan Potts. And of course, I'm with Graham Brooks for his amazing tactical analysis. Graham, how are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I had a bit of a, a later evening, so uh, that's why we're a little bit late trying to set everything up this morning. But uh, we're here and we're live, but we're a little bit late. Uh, but thanks for joining me again, mate. Graham, I want to get straight into it because there's a lot to talk about today, mate. Um, just quickly, your thoughts on Thursday. I don't want to go into it too much and be too negative, but obviously it has to be discussed. Um, why do you think we lost that game on Thursday night, mate? Because we started off, I thought, pretty well in terms of a press, but things just went wrong for us. And in my opinion, I think naivety shone through and some of the mistakes we made just cost us the game. What were your thoughts, Graham? Yeah, it, it felt like it, it was a game that we lost by fine margins, Dan, uh, to be fair. Um, uh, when I look back at that game, I think the crucial part of that game for me was the time between when we took the lead and half-time. I think uh, we started well. Uh, we always uh, start games well. But this seemed to be almost like a throwback to the Crystal Palace game. Uh, we didn't learn from the Crystal Palace game. We sort of like took the lead against Crystal Palace. And then uh, I'm not quite sure if it's a mentality thing, uh, whether it's uh, something from Arteta or whether it's the inexperience of the players. But for some reason, we seem to sort of uh, drop off, sit back and surrender territory. Uh, and that's what we did on Thursday night. Um, and it invites pressure, Dan, and that's what it do does. Uh, and uh, it felt like we let Man United back in the game. This is not a great Man United team. Uh, they are a team of individuals. And, um, uh, you know, I, I looked at the game, uh, watched the game. It felt to me if we could have sort of like maintained the tempo, uh, that we were playing in that first 15, 20 minutes. We got the goal through Smith Rowe, uh, which was a goal. I have to say that. Um, uh, we can have a debate about goalkeepers, but that's for another show. Goalkeepers go down so easy now, don't they? Uh, expect free kicks, but it was a goal. But we were, in, we were in the ascendancy. One up, it was probably, I think the first goal in big games is so crucial, Dan. And, and we got it. So it felt like we were in the box seat. Quite why we sit off then, quite why we retreat into our shells, quite why we uh, want to just uh, surrender territory in the way we do is a question that I've thought about a lot over the last uh, 24 hours and I can't come up with an answer. We've seen it a couple um, of times though, Graham, haven't we? We've seen it in the Palace game and obviously now yeah. against Manchester United where we go that one goal and then we, for some reason, sit back and we try and either defend it out or we just don't want to go and get that second. And I, I, so frustrating. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, th I think, uh, had we maintained the tempo, I think there was a second goal there for us. But at the very least, had we got to half-time at 1-0, I think we would not have lost that game. Uh, we would have got something from that game. Uh, and... Um, uh, the fact that we didn't was because we surrendered, uh, I think, territory. We sat back. Uh, we invite pressure when you do that. Um, the way we set up tactically, uh, I, I think the way that we play out, uh, I certainly we're going to touch on today. I think I like the way we play out now, the way we build up from our first phase. I think it's the second phase is the yes. problem, holding on to the ball and getting players up the pitch to support the attack. Also, I thought on Thursday night, we're going to talk about again. I thought we built up more in the wide areas and centrally. Um, uh, but when you do that, uh, if you're not going to get your midfield up to support your attack, it, we, you lose control. You need to have control in these big games, Dan. I don't think we had it on Thursday night. Mm. No, I think you bang on, mate. And I want to talk about one player and what you would do um, moving forward, and that's Aubameyang, because everyone's talking about what we should do with this guy. Should we sell him in the summer? Should we look to try and get him rid of him in January? Are we stuck with him because of his wages for another season after this one? But let's actually talk about his performances of the last few games, Graham, because the consistency or the lack of consistency with Arteta's team selection for me is a baffling one. Pepe has a bad game in 10 minutes of a game and he doesn't play again for a long time. Martinelli can't seem to get into the team until the last two games, and I believe 
probably he's deserved to be. Lacazette, I don't think, has done anything wrong in terms of a justification for dropping him. But Aubameyang's now had a poor game against Watford, Liverpool, Newcastle and now Manchester United. And we're still seeing him play for large chunks of the game. So what do you think Arteta needs to do with Aubameyang now, mate? I think the time has probably come to sit him down. Uh, possibly bench him for the next game. I think it's a form thing for me. Uh, I think he's lacking in form at the moment. Uh, the problem they've got is he's the club captain. The problem you've got is he's the main goal scorer. He should be the main goal scorer. And we haven't got a lot of goal scorers in this team. And we've talked about this before. Pepe seems to be almost like now the forgotten man. Uh, I think Pepe is on his way out of the club. That's the only what I read into that. Yeah. Well down the pecking order now. I thought he should have come on on the Thursday night, to be honest. Um, but that didn't happen. And that shows you where he is in Arteta's thinking. Aubameyang is just a player. He's always had these moments in previous games, wherever he's played, where he's missed chances. Um, now, whether we're creating enough chances for him is another issue. Uh, but I just think he looks almost like from nowhere... Some players get past 30 and carry on uh, being at a good level. Uh, Ronaldo, you had, only had to look at the opposition. Uh, yes. On, I mean, if a Aubameyang had been playing up front for Man United on Thursday and a Ronaldo had been playing up front for Arsenal, would that result have been different? Um, um, I realise that Ronaldo probably wouldn't have had the chances that, um, that Aubameyang uh, didn't have um, either. But... For all that, I just think Ronaldo looks after himself well uh, and uh, I just think he makes runs that I think are such intelligent runs. I don't see a Aubameyang's movement off the ball. I thought against Newcastle last week, his movement off the ball wasn't great, to be honest. Um, and I just think he looks shot of confidence. Uh, it's, mm. But he always missed, he's always missed wherever he's in his career. He's always missed chances. So, um, um, But I, I think it's... I just think it was what the... What this the way this team plays? I don't think he fits the profile of the team down. I think the team is moving away from Aubameyang, and the problem that we got is that we invested heavily in our front two players, Lacazette and Aubameyang, and it's almost like neither of them are good enough on their in their own right to play yeah. at the moment in that lead position. Aubameyang is the sort of player who likes to run in behind, um, but we need someone who can move the, to hold the ball up and bring up other people into play which is what Lacazette does. But Lacazette hasn't got the pace of what Aubameyang's got uh, and can't offer the bits that Aubameyang can offer in terms of goal scoring. Um, whatever you think about Lacazette, and he has done nothing wrong in his general play. He works hard for the team uh, and he's a focal point, but he has not been scoring goals either. So we have got a problem in that area of the pitch. The striking element of our team is, I think, the next part for Arteta. I think I said last week, I thought he wanted to get through this season uh, hanging on to those strikers for at least one more season to to change other parts of the team but first. But the problem now is it almost like seems like we need a new striker now, doesn't it? And I oh, think... Uh, yeah, 100% we need a new striker now. And, and I, think and I, I just think January. for this next game, uh, I just with Martinelli's improvement, uh, what he's offered to the team in the last uh, two games, goal and assist, uh, not to mention his work rate, his physicality. He was even winning some aerial duels against Harry Maguire on Thursday night, you know. So I think this is a time, really, I think, Aubameyang to sit down, uh, move to the bench, maybe, and uh, Martinelli be given his chance at Everton. Yeah, I really agree with what you're saying there. Let's just quickly touch on Martinelli's performance, because for me, you know, my thoughts on it were simple. He was probably one of our better players. The tenacity this guy shows is unreal. The the, the never-say-die attitude, I love the mentality, the work rate, the passion, the desire, it's all there. I actually, you know, I said it to you and I said it to the boys, I think his ceiling is higher than Smith-Rowe and Saka because I think he can do everything. I think his end product is better than both of theirs. I think his work rate is probably as good as Smith-Rowe's, if not a bit better. I think that he can play in several positions, just like Emil Smith-Rowe. And I think if you was to say to the world, you could have one of these three players, I think everybody would want Martinelli, because I think he just offers a bit, a bit more of everything. Saka's end product needs to be improved, in my opinion. I look at Saka coming on the other night, he didn't look fit. I mean, I think my nephew, I said last night, my nephew kicks the ball harder than Saka when he tries to sh shoot, you know, it's really poor. Um, Smith Rowe is starting to improve his end product and I think he's going to be more of an all-round player than Bakayi Saka. Saka's certainly a very threatening player going forward. 
But when I look at Gabriel Martinelli's chance, I think that when Smith Rowe came into this side last Boxing Day last year, I think it's now Martinelli's time to come in this time of the season and move us forward. And I'm with you, Graham. I think it's his time to shine. The African Cup of Nations are coming up. Gabriel Martinelli is going to be given a chance anyway, but he's definitely got the opportunity now ahead of the likes of Pepe and Aubameyang when they go off to Africa. When you look at what Martinelli brings to this side, I think it does lift us. What I would love to see in the Everton in the Everton game, we'll come onto the team news in a bit, is the likes of Saka if he's fit, Smith Rowe and Martinelli playing around Lacazette because I think Lacazette is our only kind of link-up player. Now Martin Erdegaard is another option. I just want to quickly touch on him before we go into some of the uh, some of the kind of other things that happened late on in the Man United game. Um, Martin Erdegaard's performance really summed up Martin Erdegaard for me. You know, he's a player who keeps hold of the ball very nicely. He's a player who I think lacks goals and assists. And then we finally got to see him in the box shooting, which is something I've really called out, out at him out for, saying, please get into the box and please shoot. He did that, a great well, well-worked goal, a brilliant assist from Martinelli from a great pass from Party, and then a first-time hit, which I thought was probably one of the best goals of the game. And then what does he do? 10, 15 minutes later, he goes down the other end of the pitch and he gives away a ridiculous penalty. That's not, There's nothing more to say about that. You cannot defend what he did there. And that, for me, just ruined everything that he did throughout the game and throughout the game against Newcastle, which people said I thought he was good for. Now, I don't know that he was. I don't think that he did justify enough personally to get ahead of the team instead of Lacazette. And I look at your mention of the goals that we conceded down our left-hand side and their right-hand side, and I just feel that it was justified as to why I wanted to see Lacazette and Tierney play in this game. Because if Lacazette plays, Martin Erdegaard's dropped to that bench and he doesn't give away the penalty. If Tierney plays, Tavares doesn't make that mistake alongside Smith-Rowe because his discipline was no longer there in his head because he wants to bomb forward and we no longer get exposed down that right-hand side and I just feel that Arteta needs to learn from that and I thought he would have from Anfield from playing the likes of Tavares and Lokonga and it kind of raised a question to me when the team came out Graham why did he feel it was not okay for Lokonga to play because he made a mistake at Anfield and bring Elneny in but it's okay for Nuno Tavares to start ahead of Tierney when he made a mistake against Anfield really inconsistent with that for me and kind of contradictory himself with that. So I just want to talk a little bit about Martin Odegaard uh, moving forward, Graham, before we move on to another crazy decision towards the end of the game first. But let's talk about Odegaard and your thoughts on him uh, moving forward, Graham. Um, well, you said quite a lot there, mate. I was just trying to... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry to keep up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you mentioned Martinelli, you mentioned Odegaard, and you mentioned the, the Lekonga on anything. Um, first of all, let's touch on the Lekonga on any uh, uh, decision. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. Uh, looks like to me, from what I've been hearing uh, from people closer to the Arsenal than me, uh, from the press box, for example, that he made that decision purely based on the fact that the party and any partnership won in the game at Old Trafford last season. I think that's why he made that change. Uh, but it, it absolutely made no sense, did it? Absolutely made no sense uh, because, uh, first of all. If you look at what he's been doing with the team this year, he's moved away from last season. He's brought in six new players this year and moved the team in a different direction. Uh, and Lekonga's been part of that. Lekonga was probably one of our two best players against Newcastle. He had a difficult game at Anfield, but then so did the whole team. So um, um, I, I think to bring back Elneny sent the wrong signal to the team before the game started, uh, in my opinion. Um, we know what Elneny is. Uh, he's very much uh, uh, a safety sort of first sort of player. Um, but he doesn't offer any real progression. Uh, so um, I, I didn't understand that decision, that tactical decision by Arteta at all. Um, and the other reason why is because in the partnership uh, this season, we're going to talk on the, uh, you know, I've, I've sent you over some stats on Thomas Party this morning. I just want to get into those. Lekonga is the one who's been more, the more progressive player in that pivot of the two. Mm. So uh, Partey's numbers are well down in not only defensively, but offensively. So to, to uh, take Lekonga out the, the team, if anything, took away something of the impetus of uh, progression. Um and then he did nothing wrong. And then he had a very much an Elneny sort of performance. If anything, Elneny was driving sometimes into areas of the pitch that, you know, you don't normally see him drive into. But for all that, I just think it was the wrong decision. Uh, and I'm not saying we lost the game because Elneny played, but I just think that was the wrong decision. Uh, on Gabriel Martinelli, uh, it does, to me, feel like 
this is his time, like you said. Uh, I look back to last season, as you also said, that's a really good point you made. Smith Rowe came into the team around this time last year when we were struggling to create. Uh, we didn't, we weren't even playing with a number 10 last year, which is where he came in to play last year before Odegaard came in January. And he transformed the team last year with his energy and with his uh, ability to drift between the lines, get space uh, and offer us more in the link between midfield attack. Now, last Saturday, Martinelli, uh, when he came off the bench um, for Saka, when he got injured, offered us a different dimension. And that is movement off the ball. Uh, so, and one thing he's really good at is running. He sees a gap and he goes for it. So he offers us that movement. He's really good at pressing, closing down. He's got the energy. Um but also his attitude in the game. He's somebody who fights for the badge. He's somebody who's, um, I think, always at it. Uh, and his performance against Man United, there's a bit on YouTube where they see him on that, when he's played out on the left-hand side, uh, where he drifted, where he just got between two defenders. I think they've shown that clip quite a lot on YouTube. That just showed a facet to his game that I like. I think this, to me, feels like a very similar thing to... Uh, these uh, problems we had in the club last year, um, where we've got a problem up front. We've got a young lad there who's hungry, who's got a goal and assist in his last two games. Uh, and I think, you know, I should think he should be given his chance. Um, and um, he's got natural ability. Uh, he was winning a lot of his duels, as I said, with Harry Maguire in the air, even in that game. So, so I think, yes, this to me does... Seem like a, chance, uh, a time, to, uh, bearing in mind our two main forwards are not producing goals to give him a chance. I say goal and assist in his last two games. Martin Odegaard, uh, where do we sit with Martin Odegaard? I thought this was a pretty good performance overall from Odegaard, to be fair. Uh, I think the trouble is he went from hero to zero, didn't he? Within yes. five minutes. Uh, and so he's going to be defined for the fact that he, that, that he gave away the penalty, which lost us the match, more than the fact that he scored a really good goal. I was looking at his numbers before we came on air this morning. Uh, something like four goals and three assists in something like 30-odd games is not a good record. You know, and uh, yeah, we were calling out Mesut Ozil for those sort of numbers, weren't we, at the, the tail end of his Arsenal career. So, uh, but for all that, I think, uh, I think he's got ability. Um, I just don't think we've seen it yet. Uh, and, and I think part of the problem is that Odegaard's, having under Arteta is what I thought Mesut Ozil had under Arteta and that is that we don't play centrally through the pitch. Uh, we play out in wide areas a lot. We push our fullbacks high and move our wide forwards into like, number eight positions and so that is a problem for uh, connection for me. Uh, holding the ball up to bring someone like Odegaard into play. Uh, two reasons. One, we're always going out wide, not through the centre of the pitch and secondly, when we get it up uh, if we do build up, uh, we get it to our forwards. They don't hang on to it to bring the midfield into play. So, um, but I, I think, you know, the jury for me is still out on Odegaard. Last season, when he came in at the back end of last season, I did see some good things. I haven't seen it replicated this season. Uh, and again, that's another I, I, another um, mystery for me this season. Why his form has dipped? He he, can't, he he had a good performance at Burnley and immediately tailed off. I I think. But the way we play again, I noticed Dan that he tends to sort of like drift out to the right a lot. Uh, doesn't sort of like stay centrally in that number ten position where I like to see him influence play. Whether it's a tactical thing, whether it's a um, uh, he can't find the space between the lines, uh, whether uh, the connection between him and Party is no longer working because I noticed Party's not progressing the ball to him so much this season. You know, it's hard to sort of understand, but I think he needs bit like party they just there's two good players there that are playing below their levels and for us to be a better team they need to start producing I think you're spot on and I just want to touch on something very quickly with Martin Odegaard that you mentioned late on he's drifting out a little bit more to the right hand side but he you'd like to see him in the number 10 I kind of feel like the number 10 position in football is kind of done I don't think there is another team around us that plays a number 10 there's always the two attacking eights or you've always got the three in midfield that sit and, and do a low block will be quite negative with some of the other sides. So I don't think there is a number 10. You look at Jack Grealish, James Madison now, they don't play number 10s anymore. Everybody said they used to be. The last team that I think played the number 10 was probably Liverpool with Coutinho, and then they went back to the kind of two attacking eights or the three, 
um, three in midfield and started to win more football games and Champions Leagues and titles. So I think number 10 is kind of dead in football, if I'm honest with you. And it's either got to be, for me now, two attacking eights or one striker that drops off like we did with, with Lacazette. And that's why, for me, in the Everton game, I would go with Lacazette and Martinelli up top with Lacazette just dropping off Martinelli. That's what I would do. Martin Odegaard wouldn't get a place for me because at the moment, I don't feel like his performances justify him getting ahead of Lacazette. Some people may, dis may, may disagree. And I personally feel like Erdegaard will play, um, if I'm honest with you, because I think Arteta will play him. So I just wanted to kind of come and touch on that there, about your thoughts on that, Graham, and where you see Arteta's kind of long-term plan for a formation at Arsenal. Do you think that it is going to be a number 10, or do you think he's going to go more 4-3-3 with two attacking eights in the future? Um, I, I think whether Odegaard's playing at 10 at the moment is is just down to interpretation, I think. Um uh, whether we're playing a four-two-three-one at the moment or four-four-one-one is down to, you know, your own. When you look at the way we play, the way you see it, I think. Um, so a lot of people say at the moment we're not playing a four-two-three-one. Odegaard's not playing at ten. We're playing a four-four-one-one with Odegaard off a striker. Um, I, I think the way modern football is now, I don't think managers sort of talk about formation so much as they, they use fluidity in the way they set their teams up and and and, and a four two three one becomes a four four one one or uh, it changes during the game anyway. So uh, you are right. I think it's a fair point you make. There is a, an argument that number 10 is no longer uh, a position used in football uh, for the reasons that I just said. Um, I just think that we're not getting Odegaard uh, in the positions on the pitch where he can be influential um, and, and the two things that strike me in our team at the moment um, is that Party uh, is not uh, producing the numbers, uh, as I say, in ball progression and defensively that we would expect from him for some reason, where he's struggling with the physicality and the speed of the Premier League is is, is one th uh, reason I've heard suggested. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. And also, we're not getting the best out of Martin Odegaard for whatever reason. Uh, Odegaard has only just come back in the team, of course. Uh, he, he, he had a couple of good performances early in the season. His form dipped, starting with that Crystal Palace game. Um, and uh, he's just come back in the team. His performance against Newcastle was wasn't uh, was okay, but not great. And uh, again, I thought against Man United he was better, uh, better in that game than he was against Newcastle. Uh, but you know, I do think we're not getting the best out of Odegaard uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and, you know, I think that the formation that you talked about for the Everton game there that we're going to talk about later is probably a fair shout. I mean, we, Everton play a 4-4-2, so we could match them up in a 4-4-2 with Martinelli and Lacazette in a 2. So, but uh, I do think Odegaard has not hit the heights that we hoped. Uh, and so, obviously, questions are going to be asked. Um so, you know, it's a fair point you make. Yeah, we'll see what happens, Graham. Uh, just before we do move on to that team news, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what happened at the end of the game because we needed a goal and we saw some subs, which I thought were absolute madness. Not Lacazette. I think he needed to come on. We needed something different up top. But why, Graham? <laughs> my first question is he bringing Eddie Inketi on, who's just rejected a contract. And my second question is, where does this leave Nicolas Pepe, our 72 million record signing? That to me is bad news for him in this in January or the summer, Graham. Yeah, I think that the Eddie Inketi substitution absolutely baffled me. Uh, I mean, last week he didn't sign a contract. He was offered a contract, he he wouldn't sign it. I think Inketi is in that sort of position where uh, I don't think he's got a future at the club. And all the offers that come in for him, he doesn't want to uh, go to those clubs. He th thinks those clubs are beneath him. Uh, so he's that's what strikes me as his attitude. Uh, but when you don't... I mean, this is what Arteta's done once or twice. He did it with Klasenak early in the season. You know, players who he's got no plans for or are not signing contracts, he's, he's put in the team and it doesn't make sense, particularly with the way he's thinking now uh, with the changes he's made and the direction he's taken the club with a young team. Uh, so um, I couldn't understand that substitution at all. I thought the substitutions against Man United were wrong. Uh, I think we should have taken uh, Mohamed Elneny off. Why keep Elneny on the pitch when you're chasing a goal at 3-2? Um, and, you know, I couldn't understand that. why bring Naketia on. So it was madness. I think his in-game management, his substitutions didn't make any sense, really. I would have brought Lacazette on maybe brought Pepe on, uh, giving Pepe a run more than Nketiah. 
and maybe kept Odegaard on or for some extent, really, uh, even if Odegaard dropped back into a two-with party. You know, I think we needed to keep that in the team. We didn't have that against Man United. I think the game for all that was lost um, in the way we gave away the goals, Dan. Uh, I thought that uh, we were, you touched on the, uh, I think, Kian Tierney for me, I would have played him at Old Trafford. And I said that before the game. Yeah. I'm not just saying that. Uh, and, and I think he made the right calls last week to play Tavares against Newcastle because it would have been harsh to drop him for one bad performance. But when you're going to a place like Old Trafford, and I'm not saying, that, again, Tavares was responsible for the defeat at Old Trafford, but I think you want an experienced defender. And, and KT, uh, I think experience, um, not to mention the fact, I do think whatever people say, he is a better defender than Tavares at yes. the moment. He's a very raw defender. Uh, would have. Uh, I don't think Tierney would have made that mistake uh, on that goal. If you look at the goals we conceded, that goal, you are right. All, all you're asking for there is Tavares just to hold his position. You know, you're not asking for him to bomb on. Uh, you know, start of the second half, they've gone. We should have gone in, in my opinion, ahead at half time. Had we not surrendered the territory, allowed them back in the game. But okay, they got back to one-one. First ten minutes of the second half, you just want really the team to just sit a bit, get into the game a bit, not to be too uh, Harry Carry early doors second half. Uh, and and he pops that ball into Smith. It goes into Smith Rowe, and he's anticipating. He vacates his space, and that leads to the goal. Uh, and I think that was a mistake. Uh, I don't uh, blame Smith Rowe so much, although he lost the ball. Uh, I just think if Tavares holds his position, we're, we're defensively all right across the pitch for when that goal develops. But I think where Man United won it, I think, was more on the other side than, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. um, they identified our right-hand side as, as where they were going to attack. I thought the first goal uh, and the penalty came on that side uh, behind Tommy Asu. And I'm not blaming Tommy Asu. I thought I had a really good game, actually, on Monday, uh, Thursday night. I just think what they were doing a lot in the game was uh, Sancho was coming short. Tommy Asu was trying to get tight and they were spinning players in behind him. And then we weren't getting the players across the cover of space. Uh, and their first goal comes from that, where Tommy Asu is, uh, drifts towards Sancho. The fullback gets on the outside. And then Fred makes a run off our midfield, gets appears on our right-hand side in the box to, to take the ball and get the cut back. So, and I think they exploited us on that side by drawing Tommy Asu out and getting players in behind. The fluidity of their midfield movement, we didn't match track runners. Uh, I think White probably didn't get across well enough uh, a couple of times the situations to defend that could have defended them better. Uh, but again, the third goal is a run in behind Tomiyasu from Fred, again, who, who gets behind Odegaard and then he makes that really poor challenge. So two of their three goals came down our right-hand side, but they got into space behind Tomiyasu. Uh, so that's where I think they had their joy on Thursday night. Uh, but um, we get back into it 2-2. But what you want at 2-2 then is, again, just to hold the game, don't you? You just want 15 minutes, get out of there with a 2-2. And we couldn't do it. Um, and obviously, Odegaard made the mistake. But then chasing the game, I just think the substitutions uh, from Arteta needed to be better and they weren't. And in the end, it felt like... Um, we missed an opportunity, didn't it? It felt like we missed an opportunity against a bang average Man United team. This is a team that can't defend very well. They are a team of individuals, in my opinion. Uh, and Ronaldo obviously took all the plaudits for his 800 and 801st goals. Never thought he'd miss that penalty when they got it. Um, and in the end, it's so disappointing because I think that we were in a really good position. We're still in a good position in the league. Let's not forget that. And the next six yeah. games in the league, they're games we can win. Uh, and um, I still think, you know, we're in this race for everything. But I just think we, at key moments, we proved again the naivety in the team. Uh, we didn't learn our lesson from the Palace game. Yeah. I think it's a really good uh 
point and a way to end it on. I, I do want to mention Thomas Party next before we come into the team news because I think it's a player that everyone's mentioning at the moment. And I know you've got some stats on Thomas Party, and I just want to give my opinion first of all why you're looking him up, Graham, because I think personally this is a player that when everybody's on form, he's probably our best player. He's probably the best one that we've got. His former Atletico Madrid, the way that he was playing, the attributes that he brings to the team was exceptional. And I think he has definitely carried that over in some games for Arsenal. But El Nini outshone him, I thought, the other night. I thought he was much better. And I thought Thomas Partey's loose passes yet again came into play. Sometimes it's been a problem with his fitness. Um, but I do believe that some of it as well has been trying to get used to this league. And I think when you pay that much money for someone, um, it makes you realise that even if they are a lot of money and they are world-classing certain parts of the game, they are humans and they do need adjusting. And I think sometimes the pace of the game has let Thomas Party down. Now, I don't think it helps sometimes when he's babysitting players next to him and when he's playing with someone different every single time. And I think a partner is definitely needed in January for Thomas Party moving forward. And we've already discussed that as well as a striker. But I do think there is quite worrying signs at sometimes with Thomas Partey and the fact that sometimes I look towards him as our senior head and I don't see him again as one of the leaders on the pitch. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on Thomas Partey moving forward, Graham. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's hit the heights of last season uh, this year uh, for whatever reason. Obviously, he's always coming back from injuries. Um, I think his uh, ball progression this year is not as good. I also think defensively he's not been so good. Uh, in the Man United game, you are right, um, his, his passing was not great on the night. I think he only had a 76% pass completion rate, which is quite low. You know, he, he misplaced six of his 25 passes, and even some of those passes that found their opponents, sorry, found their colleague, were only just making their colleague, weren't they? There, there were some sort of passes in there that weren't great, even the ones that he completed. So I didn't think he passing on the night was particularly good. Um, but I think he's... Numbers this year tell me he's less influential. So if you look at, here's some numbers I've got for you, and I'm going to compare his 2021 season with his 21-22 uh, season. So last season against this season. I'm looking at touches per 90, passes per 90, and dribbles per game. So last season, his touches per 90 were 82 uh, per 90. This season, that's already down to 65 per 90. His passes per 90 last year were 67. They're down to 50. His dribbles per game, uh, which last year were 2.3, where he dribbles past an opponent, is down to 1.7. So, effectively, he's not so influential. Give an example, Lekonga has made, makes, on average, 11 to 12 more passes per game than, than uh, Partey. And he's uh, the, the less senior figure. So, that's him offensively. Now, defensively, I'm going to look at, look at his tackles per 90, his interceptions per 90, and his duels per 90. So his tackles per 90 have dropped from 2.6 to 1.7. His interceptions per 90 have dropped from 1.35 to 1. And his duels per 90 have dropped from 11.4 to 9.4. So that tells me that overall, this season, he's not hitting the heights of last season. Uh, it seems to me he does have some fitness issues. Uh, he's always coming back from injury. We we rush him back sometimes when he's not quite ready. Whether he misses Jacker sitting next to him is another matter. Um, I think he also has to contend with the fact now, Dan, that he is like seen as Arsenal's uh, one of Arsenal's strengths. So he's going to be man-marked. Uh, I do think they try and cut off his passing lanes, which is another thing he has to contend with. But for all this, he is an experienced player. He is a really top guy and I know we were ecstatic when we got him I can remember we did that show uh, with your friend the Liverpool fan um, I forget his name now but, but he, he was absolutely Chris. waxing lyrical about party wasn't he About and, yep. and, and we talked about what he could offer to the team but I don't think uh, just over a year on from we first uh, got him he's delivered what we quite expected uh, whether it's a team issue uh, or a personal uh, issue is another debate uh, I just think we need to see more from our star man, really. Um, of course, we're going to lose him to the AFCON, aren't we, in January? So um, that's another thing. Uh, but I just think we need more from Thomas Party, And that's just my view. I think it's the view of a lot of people. Um, 
I think that we do need to see more from Thomas Party in certain games and I think in the big games. Uh, and that was a big game on Thursday night that we really expected to see him and Aubameyang, two of our most experienced players. It did feel like players. our senior players didn't step up, didn't it? That's what it feels like. Our senior players. It did. And I think it's the... The thing is, I think all season it's been our younger players who've been carrying the team more than the senior players. So, um, yep. questions rightly asked about Aubameyang. Uh, he's the club captain. Um Questions being asked of Thomas Party. So, uh, and these, when you're a top player playing for a big club, this is what, you know, you expect that sort of um, scrutiny. 100%. And I want to ask you just quickly about the captaincy of Aubameyang because some of his unprofessionalism is still shining through. I see him on Instagram the other day liking Cristiano Ronaldo's Instagram post when he was saying that we needed to get this win and we move on now and it's all about what happens to our season. I know they might be friends outside of football or whatever it be, but you just don't do that sort of thing, Graham. You know, it's just not something that you do. We've seen him turn up late to North London derby, and since then his form has definitely dropped to Bamiang. So what do you do with, with, with the situation of the captaincy? Is it something... We've seen it change before with Granite Chaka. Is it time to look at changing the captaincy, or is that just going to affect things in the dressing room if that was to be, let's say, given to Kieran Tierney? Uh, I think that Kian Tierney is a, a me and you both agree that Kian Tierney is yeah. a future Arsenal captain. Uh, that is no doubt about that. Um, it's such a difficult question to answer. Uh, I, I'm not in, I'm not part of that group, am I? You're not part of that group. We don't know. I think for whatever you think, Aubameyang, I suspect, is really looked up to in the dressing room. Um, and I don't know what the relationship is like uh, in that dressing room. It, it was noticeable. I, I know Turkish made a point on the show this week that the players rang across to Lacazette more than Aubameyang that, uh, when the goal was scored uh, against Newcastle when Martinelli got his goal. Uh, suggesting Turkish in Turkish feels that more Lacazette is the one who's like the figure, father figure, or the one the young players gravitate to. Whether that's the young true players have said that. To be fair, the young players have said that. Yeah. Uh, but, so so yeah. I, I think Lacazette is a big influence in the dressing room, isn't he? Um, um, look, it's a difficult one. Um, it's very unusual for a forward to be captain of a team, in my opinion. Normally, the, you want someone, your captain, to be a mid, a, a centre mid or a centre half, someone who sees the bigger picture and someone who's uh, really someone who motivates. Uh, Aubameyang captaincy for me comes from his performances on the pitch. So uh, he's more, uh, he leads the team more in what he does. Uh, I haven't seen him sort of like um, go around pick players up uh, when they're having or make mistakes. I've seen actually the reverse action. I've seen like Ramsdale and other players pick him up when he's had a big miss. You know, so um, it's such a difficult question to answer. Uh, I, I don't think that they've obviously given Aubameyang the captaincy because he's like the, uh, the top player at the club, in my opinion. Whether he's the right man to be a captain is another issue. If you take it off him, is it going to affect his confidence? That's another question you have to ask. If you remove the captaincy from him, remember he's come out and said that he wants to be a cool captain. Uh, whether that's the right thing to say again is another matter. I know people have latched onto that and said, what a funny comment to make. Um, so I think you have to think, if you take the captaincy away from him and drop the team, what message is that send to him? Uh, we'll get even less out of him, won't we? So I, I think for now, I would leave him as club captain. Uh even though probably I don't think he was the right man to probably have, be the captain in the first place. Uh, he's The reason he's got it, obviously, because of this is a young team and a lot of the players coming into this team, you know, you made so many changes in the team this year, that of that senior leader group, there was so little choice who he could go with as captain. So, um, and Aubameyang is the star player at the club. So, um, you know, but he's living on what he's done in the past more than what he's doing at the moment, isn't he? So, but I would keep him as captain at the moment, but I, do think I would drop him or sit him out of the next game. Uh, and, and I must admit, I, I sent you my team selection over this morning uh, and thinking it through while we've been talking, I think the your idea I'm moving towards now of, of Martinelli and Lacazette in a two up top, you know. So, but for this game, I would I would sit uh, a barrier down, but I wouldn't remove the captaincy from him. He won't be captain, of course, if he's on the bench, will he? 
Absolutely, you won't. Um, let's bring up that team news now then. Let's talk about Arsenal and Everton's approach to this game because it's a massive game now, Graham, especially now that we've not managed to pick up points at either Anfield or Old Trafford. This is the one that we look at going away to a big club that Everton still are, you know, reputationally. And I feel think that they're a team that, although they're losing a lot at the moment, they need that win. They need some points massively. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, I agree with the um, with what you've said. I actually do. I, I agree with it, apart from the one position. Um, and that one position, of course... Um, is going to be the uh, centre-forwards. Because I would go with Martinelli and Lacazette just because what I've seen so far from Lacazette, I think he brings a lot to the team that we need at the moment that Aubameyang doesn't do in terms of his hold-up play. Martinelli definitely deserves to play. Um, but talk to me about why you think we're going to match them up in terms of a 4-4-2 or if you think we're going to go 4 2 3 one Graham. No, I, I just think um, if I look at the, the changes to the team that uh, I've made there, this is... a um, I've brought Tierney back in at left-back for Tavares. I think the time is now right for KT to come back in. I brought back Laconga back in for uh, El Nene. I think that will happen anyway. And then it just boils down to um, what we're going to do up top, don't we? Saka, who would have um, played at Old Trafford had he been fit, and probably then Martinelli not played for all that. You know, we're talking about how well Martinelli played in the game. It's worth remembering that had Saka been fit, Martinelli probably would not have played. So I'm bringing Saka back on the right-hand side, which I think is his best, his best side. Uh, Smith-Rowe, who did look a little bit jaded towards the end of the game. Some people would say it's right to sit him down, take him out of the team uh, at the moment because of he's played a lot of football. I still think we're a better team when he's in it. Uh, and he's I think he's now our leading goal scorer. So, um, yeah, he is. yeah I, I would play him. Uh, and then I've gone, I've kept Odegaard in the team. Uh, and I've gone Martinelli up top. But do you know what? When you sort of like, almost like since I sent you that team, you've convinced me now almost like uh, to go with Lacazette because we are struggling with our build-up play. But to play Martinelli off him, in a almost like in a 4-4-2, as they play a 4-4-2, I think is not a bad shout. So although I sent you over that team as my 11, I think I'm, I'm more gravitating towards what you want to do now, I think. Uh, bearing in mind, this is how Everton played against uh, Liverpool. They played a 4-4-2. Calvert-Lewin and Davis won't be fit for this game. Uh, Benitez has already said. I think they are incredibly low in confidence, but then so were Man United, weren't they? So, But then they're not Man United in terms of quality they've got at the top of the pitch. Um, they, they're playing this 4-4-2. I see their danger men really... Uh, uh, I think, first of all, I think Dakor is a very good player. In, in their centre mid, uh, and I think Alan is who come from Napoli is also a very good player. So they have got a very good pivot there. Then they play Gray and Townsend in the wide areas, and they are two good players. I mean, Townsend early in the season that uh, had a lot of good form, scored a really good goal at Man United when they drew one-one. Gray was the one who scored against Liverpool. He played. He came from Leicester. He's a good player. Uh, Ricarlison is now back in the team off Rondon. Um, so. And they play a 4-4-2. So, and I think sometimes when you go away from home, although you want to keep your strengths going forward as a team, sometimes you match up to sort of nullify the opponent's strengths. You've got to look at what the opponents do. Um, and so it does make sense, if anything, to to go 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1. Um, however we play it, uh, Odegaard in behind Martinelli or Lacazette uh, and Martinelli in a two. I've still got this funny feeling, you know, that Aubameyang will play. Uh, and, um, you know, that's just what I think. But uh, if you look at Everton's form, Dan, uh, they've lost six of their last seven. They haven't won since September the 25th. There is a lot of unrest around the club at the moment uh, in the fan base. They were taken apart by Liverpool in the Merseyside derby, albeit that Liverpool are an exceptional side. So. Um, you know, we play them at a good time with them struggling for form. Our record at Goodison, uh, our record recently against them isn't great. Uh, we lost last year, I think, both games. And, and we struggled to score there. Uh, so that is a worry. Uh, but I don't think this is a great Everton team. And, and I think they're low in confidence. So we go to them in a, uh, at a time, albeit we've just lost our last game as well. Uh, as I say, uh, I think if we played to our capability, I think we're capable of getting a result. 
Yeah, and I do too. And I think looking at that side, Graham, they're a side that are low in confidence. Like you said, they've not been able to get on a winning run. Rafa Benitez, who I think is a fantastic manager, by the way, even can't save him. But I look at that team. That's a poor 11. I don't expect him to do much with that, to be honest. When you've got Rondon up front and, you know, you're relying on Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. One of them is kind of a towards the end of his career. The other one starting his career trying to find a club that will allow him to settle. I think their strongest part of the pitch I'm with you is Decore and Allen. I think in midfield there, they've definitely got some pace and some power, but also some ability to anchor the midfield in Alan. Ancelotti brought Alan over with him because he was his best player at Napoli and Mr. Consistent, and he's been that for Everton, I believe, when he has been fit. But that back line, Graham, definitely can be got at. Coleman, we saw him make a stake against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby, but he's a player that's ageing. Ben Godfrey has never really settled at Everton and he's really a backup defender for when Mina is uh, normally in there. Michael Keane is a kind of 7 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10 defender. You don't quite know what you're going to get. Luca Dean I've really been a fan of, and I think he's probably one of their better defenders, but of late, I think apparently speaking to Everton fans, he's been really poor as well. And Jordan Pickford, we all know, can make mistakes in goal. So surely it's time for the attacking Arsenal that we've not seen of late to show up at Goodison Park on Monday. Where do you see the key battles in this game, Graham? Um, I, I think that... Um, I think uh, midfield is always a, a key area of the pitch for me. Uh, so I want to see... You know, I, I, I want to see a sort of like... Uh, really looking to progress the ball more through centre mid, uh, win our duels. Uh, and um, I, I think... Get Saka. I think Saka in behind Digne, uh, uh, Digne uh, is is an error. I think we can exploit. He is a, a, a fullback who likes to go forward. So I, I think it'd be a case of our, our fullbacks. I think you're going to want Kieran Tierney and Tommy Asu taking care of their wide players. Uh, as long as we can do that, uh, push them back. Uh, I think if you get the ball, you control the football. Match, and I think you 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 want your two centre mids to sort of like uh, get the ball uh, and control the uh, the, pick, the pitch, uh, which I think we struggle to do at times. Um, so I think the key battles for me will be I think in the wide areas, I, uh, Smith Rowe and Saka against their fullbacks, and, and I think Tierney and uh, Tommy Asu against their wide players. Um, and I think the key will be if we control in the midfield you get a situation where their their uh, fullbacks not getting support uh, forward to support their wide players and we can uh, get our fullbacks high to support our wide players when we're in possession but I'm, I still think the key is in center mid uh, uh, being able to get the players into the pitch get up the pitch as you say by bringing back someone like Lacazette someone who can hold the ball like you you get to that second phase of play where you you get your midfield players up the pitch centrally to try and then progress the ball out wide to work openings to get crosses in or to have runners in between the full-backs and, and the centre-halves that uh, move players around. Because I think uh, you have to have movement, and this is what Martinelli offers. We saw it in the second goal against Newcastle, where we worked the ball out wide uh, and then the run off, off the defender between the full-back and the centre-half into the space asking questions of their defence, which they can answer. You know, it's all movement wins your football matches. Uh, you can, if, if you're not sort of like, if you haven't got players who carry the ball, uh, who get set in positions to move players around, uh, you don't uh, open teams up. Uh, and if you sometimes play the way we do, where you just play the, the lanes, you know, we play these five, six lanes up top where you just get, your lane's set and you don't get the ball forward quick enough, you're not moving, there's not enough movement, teams get set back in two banks of four, able to defend you. So I think it's all about moving the ball quickly through the midfield, uh, again, up to support the attack, uh, and then clever movement off the ball to unlock teams. Um, but if you talk about key areas, I think certainly the battles out wide look interesting for me, uh, with uh, our, wide, our wide players, Smith Rowe, Saka against their full-backs, and then our full-backs against their two wide players. That looks interesting sort of duels there. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. And I'm, I, I personally feel like our left-hand side can attack Everton's right-hand side. I don't think Andres Townsend is particularly defensive-minded. And I think Seamus Coleman has certainly got a mistake in him due to his A now. Um, not that he hasn't been a great player for Everton. I think he has, but I think he can definitely be got at. Uh, Graham, if that is the team, let's say Lacazette and Aubameyang don't make this team. I think one of them, or maybe even both of them, will start. But let's say we go with this team. Who takes the captain's armband for you out of those players there, those Arsenal 11? Which one of them takes the armband? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Um, I think what in the team that I've selected, in the team you've selected, I think there's two potentials, but both Tierney and Gabriel. What's your thoughts? Um, I think, yeah, Gabriel, Tierney, or if you're, you're looking, you, Thomas Party, if you, you have to look at the leader group, don't you? I suppose the leader group in that team, I mean, the lead, the five leaders are, uh, are uh, Abamyang, Lacazette. Party, Jacker. Um, trying to think who the fifth leader is. Probably Gabriel um, or Tierney. Gabriel, yeah. So, so for me, it would probably be Gabriel Party in that team. Yeah. See, for me, I would give it to Kieran Tierney, but I still have a, I still have a little feeling that he might even play to Nuno Tavares. Still, He's just coming uh, back into. If he comes back into the team, he's probably not going to come back in as captain. Um, well. And, and so I, I suspect it, you know, I, I think if you look at, look at it, it's got to be either, I like my captain to either be a, a, a centre-half or a centre-mid, someone who can see the bigger picture. I think probably, I think party for me would probably have to have it, um, if, I, if I'm being honest, albeit his form is not great at the moment, but I, I think he's, he's in the leadership group. What a perfect opportunity to say, right, we know you've been underperforming this season. We back you, we know your quality. Go and lead this team. Go and lead this group. If Lacazette and Aubameyang are not in the team, uh, and show us what you're all about. So, I would give it to him in that eleven. Fair enough. I think what it does is it proves one thing. We are still lacking leaders in this team. I really believe that. And I know that we have got some young players now and they might grow together, but I really don't see one standing out to lead the others forward. I think Ramsdale brings some great attributes in terms of mentality and leadership to the side. I don't like giving captaincies to goalkeepers. I know they can see the bigger picture and they can see the whole pitch, but actually I really don't like that. I like it to be a centre-half or a centre-midfielder like yourself, Graham, like we have over the years in the Adams and Vieira mould. And most of our captains of the last few seasons, believe it or not, have been bench players. We had Vermanen couldn't get in the side. We've had uh, Arteta couldn't get in the side. Mertesacker that wasn't in the side for long enough for me. Um, so it's good for us to actually have somebody on the pitch that's going to play 90 minutes of every game. If I was to give it to somebody in in those, Kieran Tierney would be my number one choice, but he is, does have injury concerns. I think Gabriel is looking to me to be a leader on this pitch. I think he's been an absolute colossus at the back. For me, Graham has been the best player so far this season for us. Um, Gabriel, consistent performance. Even the other night, I thought he was great. So I think that he's showing some signs of potential leadership and captain material, Gabriel. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Graham, let's get your thoughts just as we do wrap up about what you think the scores or prediction is going to be. Um, I think it's going to be a very difficult game. I know that everyone's saying it should be an easy win because everybody's beating Everton. But let's not forget that Rafa Benitez does not want to lose his job and his job is on the line at the moment. He's under pressure. So it's just so Arsenal, isn't it, that Everton can't get a win for Toffee, excuse the pun, but they come up against Arsenal at a time where they fancy their chances. So what's your uh, what's your thoughts of the score prediction, Graham? Well, it's, I think it's going to be a tight game for all that. I think uh, two teams who won't want to lose the game. Uh, so, um, But I think we need to win it, having lost at Man United. Um, uh, I, I th don't think there'll be many goals in it. I think Everton are struggling to score goals. Although we got two at Old Trafford, we struggled to score goals. We've only scored, I think, three goals before Old Trafford in the way games this season. Only Norwich has scored less goals than us this season. So we're not really scoring many goals away from home. Uh, but uh, I think I'm going to be positive for this game. Uh, I, I think um, I'd like to think, you know, my heart always rules my head in these sort of uh, prediction uh, time uh, discussions. So I'm going to go for a 1-0 Arsenal win. I like it. Um, uh, I'm going to go for a 2 0 Arsenal win, but I don't think it's going to be a nice, easy 2 0 sit back and, you know, and let Everton uh, not let Everton have the ball. I think we're going to be 
kind of a difficult nil-nil for quite a while and I think we'll nick two late goals. Um, I don't think Everton are scoring a lot of goals and let's be honest, I've got Rondon up front. If, they, if Rondon scores against us, Graham, I'll tell you what, we're in serious <laughs> trouble. So um, I know Richarlison and Gray and Townsend... I'll tell you what, Dan, I think it will be nil-nil half-time. I think it will be nil-nil half-time. I, I don't think it... I bet it's not a great football match. I've just got this funny feeling. Um, we're the away team, so, uh, you know... Normally, the home team look to dominate more. So you play a certain style when you're away from home. And I just think the game will probably lack quality for long periods. Um, I think it'd be a, not a great watch, to be honest. Uh, I don't think Arsenal-Everton games of recent times have been great watches. The only one I can think of in the last few years was that game at the Emirates a couple of years ago when we beat them 3-2. That was a fantastic game. But uh, generally, over the last year, the games have been pretty poor. They've always narrowly nicked them. Uh, without being great themselves. So I think this won't be a great watch. I've got this funny feeling it'll be a, 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 a sort of like a defensive sort of game with both teams. You know, you, when you lose a game, you, you go into your next game a little bit lacking in confidence after defeat. So we've got to refine that sort of uh, energy and uh, confidence that we had, um, you know, in previous games. You've got to remember, although we beat Newcastle, we weren't great in the first half against Newcastle either. So... And I just think Everton are not playing well. So it, it could be a... I just hope that we go there and sort of like on the front foot and just sort of like, although we need to sort of like make sure we defend well and set up well in a structure, I just think, you know, we look at areas we can hurt them and we we sort of like look to play positively. Um, I just want to see us progress the ball better. Um, I think there's no doubt in the first phase of play now, we play out reasonably well. Arteta's coached that quite well. The way we play out and build up is better. Um, we press better. I want to see us pressing them at the top. I think Liverpool pressed them uh, pressed them into mistakes, although we don't press as well as Liverpool. But we, we've shown signs of getting better at it. So um, I just think if we play on the front foot, if we press well, and I think we're going to have to go there. We will press in a 4-4-2, I think. We can... Uh, get turnovers and it's all about I think getting the transitions and, and trying to make them count and we just need to defend properly they will offer a threat from corners set plays they've, they've got some height in there uh, so we need to take care of that uh, but for all that we we d defended set plays generally well this year and also we've scored from set plays this year I think we, you know we are the top scoring team from set plays so we can hurt them in that area as well I just think we need to be get each end of the pitch sort of like um, dominate each end of the pitch, which is an obvious thing to say, I know. But I just want to see us be a bit more front-footed. And if we take the lead this time, not make the mistake that we've made it, Man United sitting off and surrendering territory and encouraging them on. You know, if we get the lead, let's sort of build on it and maintain the tempo and rhythm. Get a second goal. I don't mind us sitting off too much when you when we're two goals up, you know, or, you know, and we can control. I just want to see us control the game better. And for all that, I think you make a great point, actually. I've swung towards it. You talked me around for bringing Lacazette in. I think we do need someone, particularly away from home, who holds the ball up uh, and to enable our players to get up the pitch on that second phase of play and then to go out wide to the wide areas and create, you know, not just go out into the wide areas as as the second phase all the time. I just want to see us uh, uh, get better in that area of the pitch in the phase two of the build-up. But also, I just want to see us um, you know, sort of like control the ball better and and not drop into our shells if we, uh, you know, once we if we get a lead, uh, not to sit back on it. And um, I think, you know, Crystal Palace, we did it against them. We got out of jail in that game with a late Lacazette goal. Uh, we didn't do that against Man United, of course. We only got ourselves to blame. But this is an area I think they need to learn on and improve on. And I hope they do it if they take the lead at Everton on Monday night. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Graham, in terms of the excitement of the game. I don't think it's going to be a game that we look at and go, wow, what an absolute 3-2 cracker that was, like we did on Thursday night. I feel like both teams are struggling to score up until Thursday. Our two goals helped. And Everton did score against Liverpool, but again, are, are really struggling. And I think that it'll be nil-nil for a very long period of time. Um, and I think it'll be a very cagey game from both. We're coming off the back of a defeat at Old Trafford, which everyone's disappointed with. No doubt the players and fans will both be disappointed. And obviously Everton are desperate for anything from this game. So I think that a 2-0 victory I'm going to stick by. Um, and I believe, like you, that he will go with Lacazette. 
I think Lacazette does need to come into this side to try and hold some of that ball up and try and link up play with the likes of Saka and Smith-Rowe, but also Martinelli, if he does play alongside him, I think would be absolutely perfect to give Gabriel Martinelli a go down the centre because I see his future as a forward. Graham, it's yeah. been an hour now, um, which has been a real good hour, a real quick hour, and we've come yeah, a long, a long, long hour, just to finally end on what you said. About, yeah, on, I did Brent. notice actually on Thursday, just one final point, that Martinelli did sure. drift a lot centrally to get up alongside Aubameyang. So that's something that he can do. He, he can play alongside a striker. We did play in a two up top sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Lacazette uh, holding the ball up, Aubameyang, uh, Aubameyang, Martinelli getting close to him is, I think, a, a good combination that, that could offer us some joy. I just got this funny feeling, you know, when the team sheet comes out on Monday night, you'll see a Bamian. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think everybody is kind of maybe a bit worried about what is going to happen with uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang moving forward with Mikel Arteta. All I'll say is if he does play, he better score. <laughs> because if he doesn't score and it's looking like 55 minutes plus are coming up, I'm getting him off straight away. So there we go. <laughs> um, Graham, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. I've really enjoyed doing these shows with you. It's absolutely brilliant to uh, to get your opinions uh, moving forward. Uh, and I just want to thank you for coming on and doing this Saturday mornings with us because I think everyone's enjoying it. Um, and uh, I believe personally that you know this show is, is going to grow and uh, and be one that I always look forward to because I always look forward to hearing your thoughts in terms of how you break that games down and more about how we kind of do more of a preview show really for the next game because I know yourself and James do a great job on AFTV but it's looking back we normally look forward on this show I know we've touched on some of the stuff that happened at Manchester United but more about reasons as to where we can get our key battles into this game as well so I thank you for coming on mate yeah, It's been a real pleasure Dan as ever love working with you uh, keep doing what you're doing mate you're doing it really well speak again soon Absolutely top, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Please hit the like on this video if you uh, are happy with what Graham and myself are doing. Uh, and leave some comments if you want us to change the format of the show or anything like that. We always read comments. We always listen to your views uh, because this is what we do this for. is for you guys to provide some entertainment and content for you moving forward. So please do get in touch. Until then, we'll see you next time, guys. Take care. Support for this video is brought to you by Manscaped. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LJTV at manscaped.com.